grace and mercy to you, to you through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Tarshish is a lie. It's a lie, and we know it. But it's an incredibly attracting, appealing lie. I'm here to tell you tonight, if you found yourself on this ship headed toward Tarshish, if you found yourself boarding a ship, paying the price, deciding to go that way toward a distant place that will take you away from the Lord, please ask the crew to throw you overboard. And if you cannot find anyone willing to throw you overboard, jump. Jump right in, because that ship with me on it is headed toward shipwreck. The series in Jonah that we're going to consider is about a prophet. It's about a religion. It's about wealth. It's about prominence. It's about accomplishment. But it's ultimately about pursuing a lie. The allure of Tarshish is that it is going to offer you something you don't have, that it's going to resolve your problems, that it is going to give you what you're afraid to face up to. Tarshish is a city some long distance from where Jonah is at. It's somewhere like the Strait of Gibraltar or Spain, compared to where Israel is located, where Judea is, where the port of Joppa is. It's going a long, far, far away. But this is an exotic city. It's where Solomon found gold and silver where he brought back ivory, where he found monkeys and peacocks to add to the splendor and glory of his collection. But it's a lie. C.S. Lewis once said that even if we call it progress, if we're headed in the wrong direction, the only progress we can possibly make is to stop and turn around. Jonah had made progress. He had a purpose, a God-given, divinely ordained, sanctified purpose. Only one problem. God said the purpose was Nineveh. You can see why Jonah didn't want to go. Nineveh was a rotten place. It was the capital city of the Assyrians. Century upon century of God's people had seen nothing but war come from Assyria. It had heaped upon heap and pile of ruins from rulers come and gone who all thought they were going to achieve world success. They're all too familiar with the story of Assyria, and it never ends well, if Jonah was even to survive the trip. Jonah had a purpose, and he had his own purpose in mind. You see, he was a very religious man. He was driven, and he was successful. He was ready to go, and he was well-known by the people of his day. He had a purpose, and he was religious mostly, most of the way. However, he had cloaked the true religious purpose. 
under a successful, God-oriented life of achievements. We wonder, why would anyone want to run away from the Lord? Why would any of us ever want to run away from the presence of the Lord? It doesn't seem to make any sense. But as we look closer at it, as we spend time in our service today in focused prayer, we realize it's not as comfortable as we imagined it would be. To be with the Lord is to be truly genuine and real. And the temptation we face, whether it's a career or a station in life or a period of life, the temptation we face is to pursue something that looks better or something that will make us look better. So Jonah was used to how is having things in his control. Most religions and even some movements in Christianity are all about trying to maintain control, trying to give you something they can offer that you can do to keep your religion in control, to make it do something for you. Jonah was used to being in control so much so that when he pays the fare for the ship, it says that he paid her fare. It's referring to the fact that Jonah paid for the whole ship, for the crew, and for everyone, just to take him to Tarshish. He sponsored it. He organized it. He was in charge, which is why when times got tough, where was he? Sleeping in the cabin. Jonah was used to being in control until God decided otherwise. God decided otherwise that Jonah shouldn't go this way. Even the sailors realized what was going on. And these are pagan sailors who worship other gods and are practicing all sorts of superstitious witchcraft and sorcery. But they know what's going on. They know the solution is divine and nothing else. And so they're throwing everything overboard. They're willing to sacrifice their whole Belongings, their ship log, and everything that they were supposed to bring to Tarshish to save their life. Was Jonah ready to do this? There is only one answer in these situations, and it can only be found in the belly of the fish. To be swallowed by God. Only then can Jonah learn how to pray again. Because he's not praying. He's sleeping. As I said, if you find yourself on this ship, if you find yourself pursuing something that is taking you away from the Lord, even if it's 99% religious, you have got to abandon ship. There's no other way. Sometimes we find ourselves, and even others, in this situation. It only works, though, if you are willing to jump. We could throw every one of us into the sea, thinking it could improve our church because we'd get rid of every sinner until we were the only ones left. But that isn't how this works. It has to be God moving the heart. God moving the heart of that individual to finally say, it is my fault. It could even mean it's your pastor. 
It could even be your pastor that causes such turmoil. In Jonah's day, it was the pastor, the prophet, for who was resulting all the craziness, the sadness, the hurtful things that were going on. And the soul is not praying, not communing. The sailors got it, and finally Jonah did too, to accept, it's my fault. Throw me over. There's certain parts of Europe where they used to construct pulpits in the symbol of a whale's mouth, so that when the pastor would get up into the pulpit, he'd be preaching from the whale's mouth. Because the message of Christianity means, and the gospel means, that we have to go through the belly before we can speak the truth, before we can know the purpose, before we can be headed in that right direction with repentance and faith. It all has to go. Progress only begins when we stop, we throw everything overboard, including ourselves. Otherwise, the ship will wreck. This is why Jesus said to the people of his day that he, they reminded him of Jonah. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. But something, behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. Something greater than Jonah is coming as we celebrate Christmas. They said, show us a sign. They had religious zeal, but their ship was headed in the wrong direction. They said, I'll go, Lord, but only if I could pick the direction. So Jesus came calling them to repentance. He came preaching poverty and humility and a Nineveh ministry. He came to a messy ministry toward people whose lives were like the Ninevites. He came saying, we must jump, we must abandon ship now. So they agreed that Jesus must go, and they threw him overboard. There he went into the fish's belly, into the heart of the earth, to spend it for three days and three nights. The difference was, when he said, it is my fault, it was really our fault. But Jesus did this in order to come forward after three days with new life, new purpose, new forgiveness for us, to teach us how to pray, it was there in the belly of the fish that Jonah finally got it. He finally prayed to the Lord. And as he prays, he's remembering all of these psalms. These psalms he would have learned, memorized, and grown up with. These things that we learn as children. And suddenly they're coming forth with new meaning that he never saw before. 
He quotes nine different psalms in his prayer. This is the spiritual discipline of the Christian life that much of Christianity has forgotten or abandoned. It's contemplative prayer. It's things like fasting. It's times in our life where we go through trials and everything has to be thrown overboard. There in the belly, it is dark. It is uncomfortable and it is smelly. But there he prays, and he doesn't just pray, poor me. Please have pity on me. Feel sorry for me. No, Jonah prays, thank you. He prays a prayer of praise, praising the Lord God that he would choose to work this in Jonah's life, to put him in prison so he would realize there's no other way except to face God. And then he will call upon the promises, salvation belongs to the Lord. And so Jesus comes forth from the belly of the earth. He is new, he is alive, he is repurposed. I'm talking about Jesus our Savior rising from the dead. His kingdom does the same thing to us. God swallows us, and God spits us back out with new life and new purpose. So what is new for you now? What is different? We'll see next week the new purpose that God has for Jonah, and it's to go back to where this all began, back to Nineveh. Amen.